Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Processes and tools dominate today's Agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. Welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans, everybody. This is one of those situations where uh, the guest and I just jump right into the episode. Uh, Alan and I have a, a great time talking to each other about Agile. And in this case, uh, I think I forgot to actually open the show. We just jumped right into some of our topics. And, and so this is, this is the makeshift introduction. What this episode's really about is Alan is a great Agile thinker. He's put a lot of deep thought into how agility can work for individuals and, and for organizations. He's put together this master class on Kickstarter, uh, brought him on to talk about not only his Kickstarter project, but also just some of the interesting things going on in, in his practice and some other agile ideas. So I hope you'll listen in and and possibly even consider uh, supporting Alan and in, in this project. It's uh, a very low price for something that I think is valuable to most people. Uh, Agile for Humans, nor myself, Ryan Ripley, have any financial connection to Alan. We're not being compensated. This is just someone that I have a lot of respect for, and I believe in the work that he does, and I wanted to get this out in front of the listener. So there's no financial incentive on my side. It's really just uh, a deep respect for Alan and, and the work that he does. So with that said, we're going to jump right into the conversation. The thing about Kickstarter is that you want to reach your goal. And in fact, if you're going to game it a little bit, you want to reach your goal as early as you can. And I'm going to do the class anyway. Maybe I shouldn't admit that, but I, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, one of the reasons I'm using Kickstarter, of course, is to get some funding in order to make the class better. And um, I also want to make sure that people are interested enough in the project to go ahead with the project. But my initial lower goal did that. And uh, though I would like to raise a lot more than that in order to be able to spend more time on it, um, it seemed like a good idea to set initially a relatively low goal and then try and raise a little bit more on top of it. So I've got my initial 5K, and then everything above that is going to just let me work 
work more on the project so I can get it done sooner and get it into people's hands faster. So that's the plan. Yep. The, the fact that it, the fact that I made the five thousand in forty eight hours is is reassuring though. It tells me that there's actually some interest in this as a project. Oh, I, I think it's a great way to validate it. Anyway, it's all exciting. Learning how to use Kickstarter has been a <laughs> it's been a learning experience in and of itself. Is I there's all this stuff that no matter how much you read about, nobody talks about everything. So there are things that have come up that that uh, I hadn't thought of in advance, and this and that and the other. I, I made the video twice. It's for the first time, it was just a I kind of made a video that looks more less the way my classes do, right? A combination of slides and animation and voiceover and that kind of thing. And I showed it to my friends and they said, no, 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 no. It's got to be a video of you talking directly to the backers or else there's no connection, which makes an awful lot of sense. But then I had to redo the whole thing, which which was also kind of amusing as I, I recorded it on a cell phone camera, which um, is just an amazing device nowadays. Is who, who would have thought? The, the Kickstarter stuff aside, the, what I'm really interested in, of course, is the project itself and try and get the, trying to get the project going forward. I, I was just having lunch with a friend today trying to describe what I'm trying to accomplish here. And we were bemoaning the state of agility in general out in the, out in the world. Right? Well, the fact that so, well, well, let's get into that. So I'll do the intro stuff later. Let's just go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I interrupted you. So you're talking to a friend. No problem. Yeah. And the, the general problem that we're seeing is something that of course, a lot of people see. And I see this a lot on the LinkedIn Lean Agile group that I participate in a lot um, because you get the same wrong questions over and over and over again. Things like, what's the role of a project manager in an Agile group? And, you know, how do I give me situations where Agile doesn't work because in the real world we can't do X where X is something that is going to prevent Agile from working. And there's just a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of people that think they're doing Agile and they're not or think they are agile and they're not. And they've maybe taken some scrum training, but they don't really understand the basics. They don't. They understand that they should be having short cycles, but they don't understand why they should be having short cycles. And you know, they think about daily scrums, but they don't understand why you have a daily scrum. And it seems to me that the way to solve that problem is with education, is, with, is by giving the information to people that they actually need to be successful at this. So that's what the project is about. Um, my worry, of course, is that a lot of people who are doing it wrong don't know that they're doing it wrong. So they don't think that they need a class like this when, in fact, they do. So I'm going to try and make it as entertaining as possible. And I'm I'm trying to break it up into sections that would be useful in and of themselves. In other words, one of, one of the big problems that people have is convincing their bosses to actually do Agile as compared to sending people out for some scrum training and doing stand-ups every day. And, um, so I'm, I'm starting the whole class out with, uh, a business case for agile and, uh, agile culture segment that would together be something that you could give to your boss and he or she could go through it in a couple hours instead of having to spend three or four days going through books and stuff. And it would give them what they needed to actually be able to help you succeed at, at actually doing software in an agile way, which is a big problem nowadays. At least I, I see that when I come into a into a company to do consulting is the there's this uh, tension between the people who actually want to do the work and the people who are in charge of the company and they have completely different notions about how to do things and that makes both both things fail in the long term so i want to try and address that so i don't know i've, I've been going on for a long time here and you're just sitting here listening to me but <laughs> no 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 it's, uh, it, it's interesting i 
I'm just looking at the the curriculum you put together together, and it's very comprehensive. I mean, it's a it looks like you're walking people through the business case, then the manifesto culture. What I like is that you're starting with the culture, and yeah, and that's usually the part that gets left on the floor when the the consultant shows up and and the the CFO sees the price of the training, and it's just look, just get to the practices and the process and. What I like, though, is that you are front-loading the fact that culture... You're making culture the first-class citizen of, of this whole thing, and I, I think that's that's great. Is that intentional, or am I just reading too much into bullet or into the, the bullet points? No, that's absolutely intentional. In fact, one of the things that I'm going to be doing in the class is I've made this big chart, which so far I haven't put into a blog post because it's actually too big to go into a blog post. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll squeeze it down at some point. But the... Um, on one side of it, on the left side of it, you've got all of the cultural things, right? Values like respect and trust and, you know, the the stuff that you need in order to make Agile work. And you can make connections between that and on the right-hand side, the practices. So that I really believe strongly to the, that if you put the right culture in place, you'll develop the right practices. And it's the culture that really matters, right? It's It, it really has to come first. Because without the culture... No matter what practice framework you pick up, it's not going to work. And with the culture, you don't have to go with a canned practice framework because the culture itself will tend to steer you in the right direction in terms of the things that you're doing. Um, that's not completely the case, right? Is that the, the thing that comes after the culture is that big long section on lean <laughs> and right lean manufacturing, which pe- people also leave out, right? And ev- everything that we do comes out of lean manufacturing, right? Short cycles and uh, getting rid of bottlenecks by having a cross-functional team and, you know, a, a visualization of work. Um, all all of the stuff that we do in Agile is coming out of Toyota, stuff that Toyota was doing in the 70s. And if people don't understand that, they don't understand why we do what we do. And they also do wrong things. You know, I, one of my one of my favorite topics in the lean world is the notion of slack time, right? Is that the, the whenever you have a resource, if the resource is busy 100% of the time, and you need the resource, you can't get to it. So if there's like one guy who's a DBA and you need him to do something to the database for you, but he's busy 100% of the time, you'll never get your database changed because the guy who can do the change is busy 100% of the time. And so in order to be effective, that guy's got to have 20 or 30 or 40% of his time where he's deliberately not doing anything so that when something comes up, he can address, he can address it right then instead of having to put it on a queue and deal with it two weeks later. Right. So if we're trying to be agile, if we're trying to be fast, we can't wait two weeks for a database change to happen. So you've got to build slack time into the process or you don't get that. Right. You have to wait too long. So that rolls into all of the agile stuff. Right. That rolls into a sustainable pace that rolls into um, uh, education. Right. Think the, the Dan Pink and his autonomy, mastery, purpose stuff. Right. A lot of that has to do with time spent working on your own projects and time spent uh, educating yourself. But that's not just time wasted, is that's the slack time that's in the system that lets you drop what you're doing that's less important in order to do something more important because you've got time for it then. So they all fit together. All these pieces fit together. And if you don't get all of those pieces, then you don't understand how they fit together and you may or may not choose to do them because they seem weird, because they don't they don't make sense in the context of how people normally make software. So that is the big gap, I think, in a lot of the books, the current training offerings. It's this why question that, that just doesn't get discussed. It's why Agile, and then why does all this work? And I think the fact that you're 
I think bringing to the forefront that this is all lean based is important because when you go to the scrum trainings, that's not really discussed. When you look in the books, you know, it's people are not really revealing the fact that, you know, most of what we do is rooted in, in things that were invented or, or discovered in the seventies. And so without even that knowledge, how do you know how to make the adjustments as you get better and better? And I, I think this is a huge gap that with this curriculum, I mean, you can certainly fill. Well, that's certainly the plan. So um, the idea then, of course, is to do it. So right. <laughs> what I'm struggling with now is to get as many people to know about it as possible, which is, of course, why we're talking, or at least one of the reasons why we're talking. I like talking with you all the time anyway. So the, <laughs> this is... <laughs> certainly. And, and so yeah. for the listeners out there, this is, this is Alan Holub. He's come back to the show. He's, he's gone off and, and he's running an experiment. So he's jumped into Kickstarter land which uh, perhaps we can get some insights into what it's like to try to, to do Kickstarter for the first time. And he's put together a course, Agility with Alan, the whole caboodle. And it looks, um, and we'll get a link in the show notes, or if you just go to Kickstarter and search for Alan, I'm sure you'll find it. But it's a curriculum that is centered around, uh, I mean, it's really like we've been talking about, lean-based, but just basically goes through seriously everything. You know, going through these these topics it's there's theory of constraints there's kaizen there's agile katas there's value focused plannings you're oh you put no estimates in oh alan well, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> there's a no estimate section there's practices there's scrum there's xp i mean it really is a, a very ambitious uh, curriculum but one that you know like i said fills a gap and this will probably keep you busy for a very long time well it will but you know at it when one of the things that I do for my bread and butter is I'll go into a company and spend a couple days teaching the basics. And this class is essentially that class. In other words, I've taught the class a bunch of times. Um, usually when I go in and teach it in person, it takes a couple days to go through it. I don't expect the video to take that long because, you know, in a couple days there are exercises and there are questions and there's hands on this and so on and so forth. So the 12 or so instructional hours that you've got in a couple of days, I'm expecting to distill down to maybe seven hours, six or seven hours is about what I'm shooting for. And I, I think that's, I think that's eminently doable. So if, if it's too long, um, people, well, I don't know if they'll get bored with it, but <laughs> it, it, it won't serve the purpose of trying to get you everything you need quickly so that you can hit the ground running. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to drag it out. I can't cover every last detail. But I can, of course, provide notes and stuff to go along with the class so that you can read more and that sort of thing. I'm, I'm planning on putting in a reading list and a bunch of links and things that you can use to investigate further. But all of the basic stuff will be covered, though. So how did you make the decision to, to launch this through Kickstarter? Michael Kennedy. Do you know Michael Kennedy? He's uh, a Python guy. I do not. Um, he does a blog called um, Talk Python. And he, uh, he and I... Uh, get together a lot at conferences. We, we both seem to speak at all of the same conferences. And, oh, I guess it was about a year ago I was chatting with him about what he was up to now. And he was saying, I'm just doing this Kickstarter project for a Python class that I'm putting together. And that made me think about it um, as, a, as a viable way to kind of get, not just get some funding, but get focused on getting the project done. Um, so it worked out with, pretty well with him. And he's been, he's been helping me a lot as I really appreciate what he's been doing um, showing me what he's done with his site and just giving me pep talks when I needed pep talks. <laughs> but he, he, he has successfully done two Python-related Kickstarter projects at this point. 
which makes me think that it's a viable platform for raising a small amount of money or even a large one. Is that the uh, somebody I don't know uh, just did a Kickstarter project that is a <laughs> it's a class on artificial intelligence, on machine vision, specifically focused on Python. So here we have a, a class that is an ebook for machine visioning, learning about how to do machine visioning in Python. And he just raised a quarter million dollars doing that. He just raised two hundred and sixty thousand dollars doing that. So who, who would have thought? But it tells me that there is a, a desire, a need, a thirst for uh, more good material um, to actually learn things. Right? Is the stuff that's there's a lot of videos out there, but they're not very good. Let's put it that way. And I, th I think there's a real need for good for good quality stuff. And Kickstarter seems like a good way to get started doing that. I think it's a, an interesting platform. I know Eric Rees did a follow-up to uh, the Lean Startup on Kickstarter and I think raised over three-quarters of a million dollars to write his next book. And so yeah, it's it's very fascinating way to go. Yeah, he's Eric Rees, though. I, I don't yeah, think yeah, I'm yeah. going to raise three-quarters of a million dollars. Well, what's interesting, though, is you did set you did set a goal. You've I, I think within just a day or two of this being available, you have... You've, you've hit your initial goal, which, you know, in the lean startup mindset, I think you have validated the idea that, that this is uh, something people are interested in. Well, that's exactly right. That, that was exactly my thinking, to be honest, is that the whole idea of both putting the project on Kickstarter and having a, a, a high-ish goal for Kickstarter, but not 100% of what I need to work on it full time, was to have a, an, MV, um, an MVP, right, a minimum viable product. And to validate that it was worth doing before going ahead. If I couldn't raise the five thousand, it wasn't worth doing the project. So this is a way to to um, figure that out. And the, you know, I have to say, the whole Kickstarter platform—the fact that you have to be organized enough to put together a video and a detailed description of what you're trying to do and a schedule and so forth—that uh, kind of focus is a really good thing to have. It's nice to have something that's forcing you to to plan a little bit. Now, having said that, I am going to do this in an agile way, right? As I'm planning to release the modules as they get finished, and I'm hoping that people will give me feedback that then I can then roll that feedback into the modules and redo the parts that need redoing or move forward if not. So I'm planning on doing this as an agile project, but it's nice to have a, a kind of some notion of where you're going before you start. And it was worth spending a few hours sitting down and doing a detailed outline and that sort of thing before I got started. And Kickstarter helped me do that, is that it gave me, gave me something to focus on. So you also have an assessment. Can you talk a little bit about that, what you're looking to do with that and, and kind of the purpose of putting an assessment at the end of, of your course? The, well, it's optional, first of all. Is the, right. I'm, I'm gonna, on the commercial product, on the commercial side, it'll be a separate product. Um, I, I have really mixed feelings, as you know, about the whole certificate thing. Um, I think the Scrum certificate industry has done more damage to the Agile community than pretty much any other a commercial Agile-related venture is that um, they, they've created this myth that people know what they're doing because they've taken a two-day class and, and a multiple-choice question, and people are being hired and being put in charge of things based on these certificates, which don't really prove anything. So when, when I first thought about certificates, what I did not want to do is have a certificate that claimed that you would be competent to do some job because you had a piece of paper. Right. I'm not saying you're a scrum master that you <laughs> that, you know, right? I'm a master now that, you know, it, no, I should have gotten closer to the mic when I said that, I suppose. But the the uh, <laughs> the the um, um, I don't like that whole part of the, the certification industry. So what I'm trying to do here, though, is if you're looking for a job, 
the one valid use for a certificate is that it does say to the person who's looking at your resume that you know something. Is that you you had to prove to somebody that you knew something about what you were talking about or you couldn't have gotten the certificate. Now, the problem with things like the CSMs is that the test doesn't actually prove much because it's a very simple multiple choice test that you can pass by reading the scrum guide. It's a, read the 16 page document, take a multiple choice test and you're a master. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted this thing to mean something. So I've done a lot of teaching. I teach a lot for the UC Berkeley extension and we have to do exams at the end of classes. And I saw absolutely no reason to do something similar here. So I'm thinking of it really not as a certificate as much as an exam. And if you pass the exam and that's not going to be a a trivial thing to do. It'll be an essay-based exam, not a multiple-choice test. Then, um, then you actually have accomplished something. You actually do know something. And so my thinking is that I would put that on the. I would put the fact that you passed it on the site, and I would actually put the exam up on the site, and let you decide who to give access to. So if you're looking for a job, you could say, "Well, I took this class, and here's my final exam, and here's the grade that I got on it." And the some the person who was doing the hiring could actually look through that and get some feeling for what you actually do know and what you actually do understand. Um, so it actually serve a useful purpose in terms of getting hired, getting an interview. And in a way, the exam are the interview questions that somebody should be asking when they're interviewing you for an agile position, but they often don't know to ask. So I'm kind of doing a pre-interview. I think of it as a pre-interview. You know, that's interesting because the curriculum that you've put together kind of does read like a master class for agility. Well, yeah. And, it, and well, it's, it seems like you're bringing some of that, that experience from, I think you said UC Berkeley, uh, or one of the extensions there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think it would be totally fair to say this is a master class of agility, lean focused, but with a, a broad range of topics, even Scrum and XP brought into it. So for the people out there, Alan, you know, it, it is on Kickstarter. Your, your project is still going. What are some of the, what are some of the options that they have when they go to, um, when they go to, to support this project? And what do you think is most interesting, perhaps first of all, to an individual contributor and then perhaps to a larger corporation? Uh, there are a couple of them for, for an individual, there's sort of the usual two tier access to the product in the sense that there's a cheaper package, which is you'll get access to the class when I'm done with it. And then there's a slightly more expensive one. All, all of this is under a hundred bucks. I'm trying to keep it relatively cheap as far as this kind of stuff goes. Um, that'll give you full access to the modules as I release them. So that way you'll be able to get, you know, it'd be like, it'll be like a subscription to a class in the sense that there will be a new module out every few weeks and you can, uh, log on and watch the new module as soon as it's available. And then there are a few levels above that that involve uh, getting some level of help. So there's one level above that where uh, there's going to be access to a, um, a um, as my mind goes completely blank. Slack here. channel? Slack, thank you. <laughs> I, the, the, uh, I, I've been st- spending up, st- staying up late too many nights in a row getting this thing started. <laughs> um, but I was going to set up a Slack channel expressly for people who were uh, subscribing at that level. And I was also going to have office hours. So the idea was that you could ask me questions on the fly as I've carried Slack around in my pocket on my phone all the time. So I'll be able to answer them relatively quickly. And once a week, there'll be Skype, Skype style office hours or some kind of, some kind of uh, platform that'll let, let us do video conferencing. And, um, you'll be able to ask me questions then. And then I have a level above that that involves a couple hours of honest to God consulting. So I'm thinking of office hours as people asking questions about the class, 
I'm thinking of consulting as ask me questions about whatever you want to ask me questions about. If you're having problems with your Scrum implementation or something like that, then then let's get together and talk about it. In fact, if you're in the Bay Area and you want to do it, I'm in Berkeley, is we could get together and have coffee as we don't have to do it over Skype. Um, and then there's one that's even a level above that, which is like bring me in for a full day of consulting if you want to do that. No, that's rather expensive and nobody has <laughs> taken me up on it yet, but it's available at least if you want to do it. And then they're kind of corporate things, you know, branding, put your logo on the class, put a 15 second advertisement at the beginning of the class. I'd, I had kind of mixed feelings about that, but I figure if they're going to help, it's a good thing to do. And I'm going to be kind of selective about who I'm going to let do one of those 15 second slots. There, there are agile management tools that I'm not a big fan of. Um, Jira, for example. So if Jira, if Jira, if, if Atlassian wanted to put a, put a 15 second slot at the beginning of my class and would pay me for it, I suppose I would do it. But you know, a few modules later, I'm going to be talking about why you shouldn't be doing, using Jira at all and how it actually doesn't help <laughs> with your agility and how just using a whiteboard would be better. So I don't want that to come as a surprise to them. So, <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd like them, to, I'd like the ads in other words, to be products that I could actually endorse as compared to to products that happen to be particularly popular. I'm probably cutting my own throat by doing this, but... Well, actually, let's take a pause here so I can tell you about the sponsor of this week's episode, Jira. Yeah. Well, there you go. Atlassian, <laughs> the great... <laughs> well, Thanks, you know, Alan. <laughs> well, Atlassian has a lot of great stuff, right? Confluence, I think, is spectacular. Yes, uh, and, agreed. And SourceTree is, is uh, also pretty good, is that I use the command line on Git when I'm doing something simple, but when I have to do something complicated, I can't remember Git's wacky syntax. It's easier for me to just bring up source tree and do stuff than it is to try and figure out how to do it from the command line. So I love source tree also. Um, I, Jira, my main problem with Jira is that uh, Jira has a kind of an idea about how you should work. And if you are going to work that way, that's great. But if you're not going to work that way, you have to end up shoehorning your own work processes into what Jira wants you to do, and it's hard. And uh, it's not it's not just Jira that is that is at fault here, right? All all of the all of the big frameworks have that same problem. And the other problem I have with them is that it seems like they exist in order to produce the kinds of artifacts that upper management wants in waterfall organizations, status reports, and that kind of stuff. And my my belief about working in an agile way is that you're better off with something like a story map and a cumulative flow diagram literally physically on the wall than you are with some synthesized report if you want to keep track of the actual state of the actual project. So uh, the I think things like Jira are good in organizations that are in transition where they started out in Waterfall and they're used to all of these Jira-like tools <clears throat> that help them manage their waterfall projects. And they want to have a tool like that in order to keep track of how things are working in, an a, in, in a partially agile world. And I think that's great as long as you are in transition. Where it can be a problem is when the tool ends up holding you back, when you end up not working in certain ways because the tool requires you to work in other ways. And when you're spending a lot of time messing with the tool rather than just getting work done. And so the more mature the organization gets, I think the less it needs a tool like Jira. And in fact, I think tools like Jira hold it back once the, once the organization gets mature. So, all right, you've killed that advertising opportunity. Let's sorry. <laughs> Who else can we upset? No, <laughs> well, no, it's, it's you, we, we've talked about this before. We're, yeah. we're in agreement that, um, tools like that. I, I think once, I think 
it's kind of like how my feelings on Scrum. I think Scrum is an excellent framework, and I think conceptually, if you if you teach people Scrum, they go through that 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 framework for a while. They kind of under they start to get to feel for for what they're doing. But it's like we've talked about before. They don't understand the why. And then eventually you have to start talking about lean and you have to start showing, you know, the pop and deck books and you have to start getting into these really um, deeper concepts. And I think I feel the same way about Jira, Rally, some of those other tools that yeah. it's great to get people started. But eventually, as look, if we're inspecting and adapting and, I, and I'm sure you're covering, I'm sure this is a very consistent theme throughout your whole course. We're going to do retros. We're going to make changes that are going to break some of the rules that are going to change the way we work that are going to be outside of the mold of a strict tool. And eventually you outgrow those things. And eventually, like you said, a, a wall with a story map, a cumulative flow diagram where you're watching the cycle time and the bottlenecks and all of those other lean concepts just become, it just makes more sense because otherwise you're spending all your time fighting a tool, trying to work in a way that you've discovered as a team is better for you. Yeah. You know, and, and there are a few tools that are honestly useful. So I, I often, um, when I'm doing real work, right, when I'm working on a programming project, uh, because I tend to work with startups and early stage companies, we tend to be distributed in the sense that we all live within a half hour drive from with each other, but we only get together a couple times a week. <laughs> um, it's nice to be able to uh, share things like a, a, a Kanban board, right? And so you look at tools like Trello, which are just, it's just what would be on the wall, but it's in in a, in a electronic format instead. Or cardboard. Another good one is cardboard. Is I don't know if you know about cardboard, but it's a story mapping tool that it lets you uh, manipulate rows, which is which Trello doesn't do. And rows are pretty important when you start going into story mapping. Nice. But um, they're, they're nice tools. I like them. You know, is they they do what they need to do. I I still like the physical tools better. Is that if you were using something like Trello, I would strongly recommend projecting the Trello board on the wall. <laughs> In the same way that you would actually have a real Kanban board on the wall, uh, so that it was there 100% of the time, and you could, it was always in front of you, and it was something that you could interact with on a regular basis. In other words, I think that the physical wall with Post-it notes on it is actually the best form, and the electronic form is not as good. But if you can't do that for one reason or another, it's nice to have an electronic tool that can fill in the gaps. So those kinds of simple tools, I think, are pretty valuable, uh, depending on your context, depending on how you're working. It's the it's the complicated ones that attempt to do everything, the claim that they are going to, you know, make you agile. Use our tool and you and you'll <laughs> you'll be agile. Those are the ones that I have a hard time with. <laughs> exactly. So a lot of people are starting to use Kickstarter in our community. I know that uh, Vic Benashi did uh, agile coaching cards a little while back and had a very successful Kickstarter. Now you're putting your essentially your your master class. It's agility with Alan up here on Kickstarter. What are some of the things just for the listeners out there that are perhaps thinking about you know going down this entrepreneurial route with Kickstarter? What are the, some of the things that you've learned as far as trying to get something like this up and going? Well, there are a bunch of things. It's the most important thing is that you've got to do some prep work before you actually go ahead with the project. Is that you need a you need a decent video. It doesn't have to be. 
a, a professional. You know, I, as part of the part of my own research before I did this, I was looking up Kickstarter videos and I, I found these hilarious, at least I think hilarious courses about, you know, the 10 best Kickstarter videos of the year. And they would go through them and analyze them. And then they'd come to the end and they'd say, and this one was made for only $35,000. And I'm going, that's probably twice the value of most Kickstarter projects is what is going to spend 35 grand putting a video together. Um, so I, I, you know, my video was put together with simple stuff. I recorded it. Well, I have a, I have a decent microphone, so the, as you can see in the video, I couldn't couldn't figure out a way to get it out of the frame, so I just left it in there. But um, the recording is just done with a cell phone. It's done on a tripod. I did buy a a um, uh, it's a teleprompter, but it doesn't actually have the teleprompter part. It's just the mirror, and then you use an iPad for the text. And the cool thing about it is that it actually listens to you talk and advances the script as you're talking automatically, so you don't have to mess around with a foot switch or something to to get the thing to keep up. So I think all of that is important, but we're talking of hundred dollars in invest, $150 in investment here. It's not a lot of, not a lot of money, but then it's, you know, so there's time spent doing that script. There was certainly time spent thinking about what I want to do in advance, probably more so than I would spend if I was doing it as a class. Um, when you're, when you're doing a stand up class, you can fudge a lot because you're actually standing there in front of the room and you can write stuff on whiteboards and you can wave your arms around and uh, you can you don't have to think so much in advance about what you're doing beyond broad topics because you can improvise when you're in the classroom. And with something like a video class, you can't do that. You've got to you have to think a bit more in advance about what you're what you're trying to accomplish. So there was that. Um, then there was the Kickstarter stuff itself, which is to say the whole process was a little confusing to me. You have to submit the Kickstarter project to Kickstarter before you can let it go live. And I didn't realize that you could actually submit the project to them without the video being finished. So I didn't submit it until later than I should have because I was I hadn't finished off the video yet, so I didn't submit it. And then I did submit it, and they're dragging their dragging their tails, doing whatever they're doing, trying to figure out whether they're going to allow it to go forward or not. But anyway, I had, to, I had to push the release deadline back a day because I couldn't trust them to, to approve it in time. And then there's all the reward stuff. I, I agonized over those rewards for ages, and I still don't know that I got them right. <laughs> you know, And I don't know that I've got them priced right, and I worry about that. I, I'm sitting here going, well, yeah, I, we got the five grand in 48 hours. That's great. But if I had priced things differently, would I have done even better than that? And I, I don't know. Who knows? Is that once you get it going, there's no way to change it. So you're, you, you just have to make the decision and move forward. And then, of course, you get gazillions of spam emails the and the instant you launch i've probably gotten 50 of them for companies that are saying you know give me 500 dollars and i will expose you to 200,000 social networking connections and I, that's not going to work right because this uh, somebody is a uh, you know a midwestern housewife who's interested in in pots she is not or he is not going to be very interested in of course on agility so i the there's there's a lot of that right a lot of uh, a lot of snake oil that seems to have risen up around the whole Kickstarter thing. Um, there's a great video called uh, Capital C that was uh, actually, they raised the money for it on Kickstarter, and it's about three Kickstarter projects, three successful Kickstarter projects. And it was really valuable to me. It both gave me an idea about how things can work, and uh, there's just a lot of useful advice in it, and a lot of uh, it gives you a real feeling for how the projects actually go. And now, having having launched one, at least I can tell you that the stuff that's in the video is actually pretty correct. Um, they're very different projects than mine, as they were things, right? People were producing products, 
So it, they had the, all three of the guys that they looked at had um, different issues than I would producing a video video class. But uh, that was pretty good. It, it kind of got me excited about doing a Kickstarter project at all is that I was dubious until I had watched that that video. And I, I, uh, I like it. I can recommend it. I'll send you a link to the to their website. Perfect. Um, yeah, it's just it's interesting to me that, uh, you know, for a, a relatively, you know, a reasonable investment of funds, your time, creativity uh, and efforts, and you can actually have a, a pretty interesting project and one that can be even monetarily rewarding uh, out there pretty quickly. It, it really is a, a neat platform and something that, you know, if people have an idea about, you know, something they want to get out there, I think, you know, your experience, perhaps this video and then watching this unfold could really be useful. So I appreciate you walking through that. Yeah, it's, it was pretty, it's worth doing. I think it's worth checking out. It's, it's fun. You know, I, I, I enjoy doing it. In terms of work, it probably took me a couple weeks of solid work, you know, just working two 40-hour weeks to put together everything. Um, that includes like putting the video together and editing it and doing that twice because I didn't like the first one. Uh, but also, as I said, I teach this class live in house a lot. So the, the, the actual details of the class was not an issue. That's not something I had to think about when I put together the Kickstarter thing. Cause I have already thought about that uh, over and over again. Every time I do the class, I refine it a little bit and make it better. So, um, that part I didn't have to think about if you were doing something from scratch, scratch, I think it would probably make some sense to devote some time into really thinking about what you want to do and maybe even doing a MMVP if there is such a thing. It's like run it by your friends and stuff and make sure that it seems reasonable before you even think of releasing it to Kickstarter as a project. Assuming your friends are are, <laughs> are supportive is that it seems to me that most of my friends, uh, they're really good at criticizing things, but they're not really very good at <laughs> offering constructive advice. So sometimes you have to take what your friends are saying with a grain of salt. If they, they've never done anything like this before, you can't really say that, take their, well, this can't possibly work criticism as at, at face value because they don't know. So, <laughs> Hey, you, you know, that's why we do experiments, right? Some hit, some miss, but we learn what works and move on. So it's, it looks like this is a hit. Uh, I think this is going to do very well. As a disclaimer to the listeners, I am, I'm in no way affiliated with Alan on this. I'm not financially involved. All I am is a fan of Alan's work and a backer of this particular project. So just wanted to be clear, this is, a, this is something that's all Alan, and it's just something that I can't wait to see. So I actually I signed up for the early access so that I can see the videos as he does them. Um, I'm pretty excited to see uh, how you explain these these topics, how... Um, how you make the business case for Agile, how you explain the manifesto, and how you make culture a first-class citizen. I can't wait to see those videos. I'm really looking forward to this, Alan. Oh, good. Well, thanks. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully everybody else will too, right? I need, if I could get another 500 backers, say, over the course of the next month, that would be spectacular, right? Just let's get as many people into this as we can. Yep. Then highly, I mean, highly encourage the listeners out there to check it out. If you think it fits, uh, you know, definitely consider backing it. This is one of those projects that uh, I, I think Alan is, he's one of the, 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 the why thinkers, the lean thinkers. I think you're going to get a truly a master class out of this. So it really does look like uh, this could be really interesting. So Alan, is there anything else that you'd like to tell the listeners uh, about this course, about uh, some of the things you intend to talk about or just, you know, why they should give it uh, a lot of consideration? I think we pretty much covered it. You know, the, the main thing is that the, the fact that I made the course as comprehensive as I did is very much on purpose. 
that it, the problem I'm trying to solve here is that unless you've got the big picture, you can't really do the little stuff well. And if you just learn the little stuff, if you just learn Scrum or something like that, you don't actually know enough to be able to really pull it off. So the whole point of this exercise was to have everything that you need to be successful in one place. And I think that's going to be really valuable to people. Um, even if you're already doing it, if you're already doing Agile, I think it's going to be really value, valuable to you depending on how much back your, background you have. So you'll be able to, pay, you know, you could get a lot of books, but the books will cost more than the class and it'll take you uh, six weeks of reading to get through all the books. And this way you'll get the, the core stuff quickly in a way that uh, will actually help you immediately to get real work done, which is, of course, what this is all innate of is the, you know, one of the things about the, about theory of constraints, brought up theory of constraints, you know, in the whole the whole notion of the goal is uh, goes all the way back to Teichiono's thinking where the point of a business is to make money. If you can't do that, you're not succeeding as a business. And the point of doing software development is also to make money is we can't lose track of that. And so the point is to be able to produce software faster and to produce better software faster, to be able to produce something that people really like to use because it actually solves real problems for them. And that's, that's ultimately what agile is about. So, uh, there's this sort of making the world a better place goal that I have also because I think it will not only make people's workplaces better, but it will make us be able to let us be able to produce products that that will do some good on in the world. At least, <laughs> at least that's my hope. So there we go. Well, I, I definitely think this series is is going to do some good in the world. I hope the listeners give it a look. We'll have links to uh, the Kickstarter past conversations with Alan. And a few of his uh, currently available videos, I think the the no estimates keynote is highly indicative of the type of content that that Alan produces. It's one of my favorite videos to watch, especially on that topic. It's one that I, I actually go back to frequently as I try to continue to evolve my thoughts on no estimates, for example. So we'll get some links to that, those materials in the show notes. Uh, Alan, thanks for coming on here and sharing your Kickstarter with us. Uh, again, it's you know I'm all I am is a backer. Uh, and and really excited to see it come out, but uh, just really appreciate you coming on and, and talking through this. Um, thank you. It's always a pleasure to pleasure to chat with you. We we need to do more do more of it, even off mic. We need to do more of it. I I'm certainly up for that. So we'll figure that out. But uh, until next time, Alan, uh, thanks for doing this to the listeners. Check this out. Uh, leave some comments on the blog about what you think about you know anything that we talked about here this while it does uh a lot of this was about the videos there's a lot about theory of constraints lean uh some no estimates uh was discussed lightly you know what are your thoughts on some of these advanced topics and how they're presented today on on how they're they're covered in the books you know do you agree that there's a gap and if so you know what are your thoughts there i think we'd love to hear them aside from that thanks for listening and have a great night Thanks for listening to Agile for Humans. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a question on Twitter at Agile for Humans or visit agileforhumans.com. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening, and Scrum on!